Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Social infrastructure is a broad umbrella term. It captures physical places, facilities, kind of built infrastructure, neighborhoods, all the sorts of sites where people gather and connect and socialize. And so third places are kind of a a subdivision of social infrastructure. And we think of these as sites outside of the home and the workplace. So if, if the home is what we call first place, and your work is second place. These third places are environments where they facilitate social interaction, community building, and social support. They can be, for example, public places like libraries, parks, and senior centers, but they can also be private establishments where we gather, such as coffee shops, bars, barbershops, bowling alleys, gyms, even daycare and sites of worship. They can provide a social glue to our societies. There are places where we can gather and connect with others to socialize, to interact, to kind of soak up ambient contact. There are also places that can provide support and protection and care. So libraries, for example, are places that share information. They're usually safe places where people can go and spend time and learn, but they also perform a bunch of other purposes. For example, librarians have been trained in some places to administer Narcan for opioid overdoses. Other libraries have music classes and let you rent out musical instruments. Others have cafes to sit and chat. Others are connected to homeless shelters and social work programs so that people who are vulnerable and disadvantaged can get help and have people to connect with. So they can really provide many different functions apart from simply just meeting, talking, and socializing with each other. I think that there are a lot of potential implications for physical and emotional well-being, given that we can't frequent these sites at the moment, given the social distancing and shelter-in-place requirements amid the pandemic. For example, people might normally go to catch up with a group on an everyday basis in a coffee shop. I work with older adults, for example, so there's often regularly meeting coffee groups and social clubs that can be sometimes the only people that other that an older adult will talk to in that day. So not being able to go can contribute to social isolation and loneliness, which is associated with health conditions such as depression and uh, mortality. And so it really could have kind of effects on individuals, but also this collective well-being where we're such a, in some ways our society is a very social one and we're used to engaging with each other and whether it's planned meetings with family and friends and colleagues or just soaking up the ambient contact and having informal conversations, for example, with a fellow dog walker in a park or talking to the clerk in a grocery store, not being able to have that really can put a strain on collective well-being and just kind of this overall sense of anxiety and stress, which could have effects upon public health in the long term. So I think one of the other risks, given that people can't frequent these third places, is that especially local businesses are being threatened and they may not be able to financially survive forever how long this pandemic lasts. So for example, local restaurants, local running stores in my life, for example, it's a really tough time to, if you can't have your doors open, 
if you can't have customers and you're trying to maintain rent, you're trying to continue to pay your employees, it's a really difficult time for these vulnerable businesses. And so we may see closures in certain types of third places that are very pivotal to people's lives, even beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. And so seeing these closures also could really have effects upon the well-being of individuals who normally would frequent them, not to mention, of course, the lost livelihood and wages of people who are employed by these businesses. I think that there are vulnerable populations who may be particularly dependent upon third places. For example, I work with older adults, as I mentioned, so that immediately springs to mind a place where someone who might be living alone and have a relatively limited sphere of mobility and social connections, not being able to go to a senior center to talk to someone, not being able to go to potentially a grocery store where you can kind of have informal conversations with people around you could be very devastating to the lives and further amplify that social isolation and loneliness that might already exist. Other populations, of course, could be children, not being able to go to parks, for example, to play and recreate, to develop social skills, and, and really a fundamental part of childhood that currently is not available to them could also have effects upon their health and well-being as well. A third example that comes to mind could be those that are homeless and also those who have housing insecurity and are in very unstable financial positions. So many people across this country, for example, are dependent upon charities and sites of worship and other faith organizations to provide food donations and other kind of essential household supplies. And so not being able to go to these places could have really dire and immediate consequences um, upon their well-being because they can't receive that support and protection and care and may even not even have places to sleep if they are normally frequenting shelters, for example, to overnight. I think we're seeing a transition as people try to support each other through online functions and use technology to overcome some of this physical distancing while still maintaining social interconnectedness. For example, I know friends of mine are hosting happy hours on shared virtual platforms where we each in our own homes participate to still talk and support each other, even though we can't go to the nearby local pub that we usually frequent. Other people are trying to do video calls and send, send messages and to each other. So I think that we're seeing kind of an amplification of online third places. They don't necessarily have to be brick and mortar sites. Some of the issues with that, though, is that not everyone has internet access or stable resources where they can go online for long periods of time to connect with others, or potentially even the comfort to be on those sites and to share video and share other personal information. So we are seeing sort of an online third places and social infrastructure really get heavily used in this time, but it's not necessarily accessible to all people and not necessarily providing all of the same functions. You know, while it's, it's wonderful to wave to a grandchild through a video conference, I think many would say that they'd quite prefer to have that wave and a hug in person. So we're limiting this physical contact, but still trying to be creative about ways to stay socially connected. I think we'll continue to see online social infrastructure and third places to be frequented, perhaps as people develop these systems in what could last for many, many months ahead of us. But ultimately, I still think that there will be a place for these 
physical third places, sites where we gather together. It's something in a way our, our cultures have done for many, many centuries and, and many generations. I mean, stretching all the way back to, um, you know, plazas in ancient cultures or coffee houses hundreds of years ago. So I think that we'll still see a return to these places to physically gather and support one another and connect. But I also imagine that this will demonstrate just how much of social infrastructure could go online in the future as technologies continue to rapidly advance. While we need to enforce physical distancing for very necessary public health measures, it doesn't mean that we should socially disconnect from each other. And so trying to think about those around us in our community who may be most affected by not being able to go out and see other people, you know, try and use it as an opportunity to connect with them in other ways, through a phone call, a message, a card, whatever form it takes. Social distancing, while necessary, doesn't mean that we're disconnected from each other. So again, trying to, to reach out to those who may be most in need at these times, especially older adults who may be feeling incredibly stressed and overwhelmed, scared and alone. It's a really important time to think about those around us, try and support each other. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.